Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. Today is the day you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. We are talking about how we as Christians can advance the gospel always and in all ways. Maybe you've never thought about it that way. That's who you are. That's what you are. If you've ever wondered, like, what in the world am I in the world to do? This is what you are in the world to do. You are in the world to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ always. That's in every moment and in all ways, in every way. In, uh, in the way that you drive right now in that traffic jam, in the way that you respond to the physical pain in your life, in the way that you respond uh, to others around you today, your actions, your interactions with others um, are opportunities to advance the gospel of Christ in this generation. It, that, that's what we're in the world to do. That's who we are as the ambassadors of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. Uh, that is who we are. Uh, we are not only those who now belong to God in Christ, we are those who are sent by God into the world that he so loves to be agents of his grace, uh, ministers of his reconciling love, and ambassadors of his kingdom. And so uh, that's the that's the point that we're on today. And in order to be on point, I thought it might be helpful this morning to have a conversation with somebody who has been actively engaged in seeking to advance the gospel always and in all ways, particularly with emerging generations. And his name is Greg Steer, and he has been at this now uh, for a number of years. So in 1991, Greg um, uh, founded an organization called Dare to Share, and that's got a number, the, the number two in the middle, so Dare to Share, and with the goal of training and mobilizing America's teenagers to reach their friends for Jesus Christ. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk with Greg about Dare to Share, and we're also going to talk about what it looks like to advance the gospel uh, in ways that are attractive to the next generation. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Greg Steer from Dare to Share. You can check it out at dare, the number two, share.org, dare to share.org. Greg, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. I'm glad to be a part of the show. So I want to start with, um, I want to start with the why. Uh, we're going to get to the how because the equipping resources that you guys provide not only online but uh, in in live events um, are really extraordinary, and I want to give people access to those. But I want to start with the why. Why are you doing what you're doing at Dare to Share? You know, my family was uh, raised in inner city, kind of a really kind of a gang family, Sons of Anarchy type family, and a preacher from the suburbs reached out to the city, reached my entire family for Christ, had a youth ministry that I got to be a part of, 
we had 800 students in it. He trained us, he equipped us to to reach our friends, uh, classmates, teammates, neighborhood friends uh, for Christ. And we literally shook a city with the power of the gospel. I saw my entire family transformed by it. So I, the why ultimately, I believe in the power of the gospel to change families, to change lives, to change communities, to change cities. And I'm, I'm a product of that. So also, you know, I was pastoring and doing Dare to Share at the same time. And then the Columbine High School shooting happened uh, April 20th, 1999. And that's what really called me full time. I started thinking, you know, where were the Christian kids to reach out to the, to the shooters beforehand? And there are, there are students that are broken on every campus that need the hope of Christ. And so we really, we train, equip, and mobilize teens to to reach their peers. I think another reason, Carmen, is uh, a new report just came out called The Great Opportunity by T- Pine Tops Foundation. It says that basically we are on track to lose 35 million Christian young people from the church between now and 2050. That's over a million teenagers per year. And I think it's because we're boring them with fun and games and a short Bible study. We're not calling them to a mission and a vision of making and multiplying disciples. And what we find is teenagers that get a hold of that, they stick with the church that because the church is not just going to a meeting, it's going on a mission. And that's what we really try to do at Dare to Share. I'm so glad um, that you made reference to the great opportunity. We've actually uh, had them on to talk about the great opportunity. So let me just remind folks that you can go to greatopportunity.org if you want to read more about um, those statistics that Greg just lifted up uh, related to really this extraordinary moment in time that we have right now as the Church of Jesus Christ in this culture um, to change not only the course of of our country, but really human history. This is the opportunity right now. It's a great opportunity, and it is upon us. Dare to Share is not only um, mobilizing, but then really equipping young people, teenagers, to reach other teenagers. Uh, When we think about um, the... We think about the power of one teenager talking with another teenager. You know, there's so many barriers that are just instantly removed. My The barriers that exist between me and a ninth grader in high school today are pretty ex- extraordinary. The, my, you know, my quote-unquote social location, the things that I've experienced, the things I know, the ways I perceive the world, the ways I interact, the language I use, they are a digital native. I am not. I mean, go down the list. Um, even the way that they would use words is just very different. The things they think are funny. But other teenagers who are already inhabiting that environment, if I can, um, as a Christian who's an adult, through Dare to Share, equip a teenager that's already living in that environment, already living that life, and they can then turn and reach another teenager um, who is outside of, uh, you know, of this, outside of the gospel, um, then all the better. I mean, that's my sense of how this works. That's exactly right. And that's how it can multiply and scale. And not to differ with the great opportunity, but their best case scenario in that report was to stop, slow down the bleeding. And <laughs> I think there's a better case scenario, and it's called revival. And if if God gets those over 300,000 churches in the United States, if God gets a hold of 10% of them and they get fully on board with mobilizing the, their teenagers, we can see the revival spread across the nation. The average teenagers got over 400 online and face-to-face friends. And you are right. They have 100 times more influence on their friends than a stranger does. So if they can be trained, equipped, mobilized with the gospel, they can literally shake their schools for Christ. 
300,000 churches, 67,342 high schools and middle schools in the nation. So we have the manpower, we have the horsepower to be able to really mobilize this next generation. The question is, are we going to do it? Or are we going to just keep entertaining our kids, playing, you know, dodgeball and eating pizza? And I have no problem with dodgeball and I love pizza, but we got to add into it purpose and mission. And I think when, when we see that happen, we can turn those stats around. So there's people right now who are saying to themselves, I want my church to be one of the of the 10% of churches that really do um, not only get ignited, but uh, but actually mobilized in this direction. But I'm just one person in my church. So invite people into this ministry online through the through the through that and um, invite them to uh, dare to share live um, as a as sort of a gateway into this conversation. Yeah, so we have tons of resources, as you said, on daretoshare.org. We have tons. I apps. downloaded some yeah. yesterday for free. Yeah. Yeah. And we have. You're giving it away, dude. Yeah, we're giving it away because you know what? It's good news, you know, and, and the good news is free. We want to get it out there. We have a Dare to Share app that they can download on the, on the iTunes Store or Google Play that trains students how to share the gospel. And in October 12th, we're doing a a live simulcast event called Dare to Share Live. And we will be equipping uh, in 100 cities across the nation from uh, Anchorage, Alaska to Puerto Rico, the satellite sites to train and equip their students. So churches from around the region will come together. It'll be at 9 a.m. West Coast start, noon East Coast start. So it's a live training, vertical worship, skit guys, myself, others, training and equipping and mobilizing, but live trainers in every room. And then everybody will be going out to collect canned food for local rescue missions and do service projects and share the gospel. During the day, they'll have a Dare to Share Live app where they can upload gospel conversations starting videos to their friends and their feed. And they can literally watch a map of the U.S. light up with all the gospel conversations happening simultaneously. Not only that, if you're in an area where you don't, there's not a satellite site and close, you can get a live stream uh, into your church youth group and bring just your youth group together, right? And watch that stream. Uh, so really encourage everyone to go to daretosharelive.org. Yes, the number two, daretosharelive.org. Find out about the streaming option or find out if there's one in your area. Also, would encourage all your listeners to set your phone to 1012 every day for an alarm to pray that God strikes revival on October 12th in 100-plus cities across the nation, and these thousands and tens of thousands of students are going to be trained, equipped, and mobilized on that day. So really encourage people to be a part of it. Get your church involved. Uh, again, it's daretosharelive.org. Okay, I'm setting an alarm on my phone right now for 1012, yes. and I'm going ahead and checking a.m. and p.m. Um, go ahead and set your phone so that we can be praying toward this event and what God intends to do on October the 12th through Dare to Share Live. We want you to check it out, daretosharelive.org, uh, 1012. Uh, Greg and I are going to return to this conversation in just a moment because we're going to talk a little bit about some other resources that Dare to Share has available. And we're going to talk about your kids and how to reach them that they might reach others for Jesus Christ. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, if you've ever uh, looked at the headline news, you've ever looked at the teenagers, the sullen ones in the backseat of your own car, you've ever uh, seen teenagers who look 
like someone was dragging them to youth ministry, um, we want to talk to you right now. We want to talk to you, Greg Steer and I, from Dare to Share, we want to talk to you right now um, about changing your entire way of thinking about youth ministry and about setting the next generation free, fully equipped to reach their generation, to reach their world for Jesus Christ. Um, Greg Steer is here today. You can check everything out that we're talking about at daretoshare.org. Um, Greg, talk about um, youth ministry um, not as like a methodology, but as a philosophy yeah. or a mindset. What is your philosophy of youth ministry? Well, what's interesting is in 2013, we did a massive research project. And we found in hundreds of youth ministries, seven common values that were in every youth ministry that was seeing 25% new conversion growth or more per year. Seven commonalities. I traveled to 10 cities and I interviewed a thousand pastors and youth pastors from Pentecostal to Presbyterian, urban to suburban to rural. A double thumbs up from this research project. Then I cross-checked with the book of Acts and then the gospels and the epistles. And I'm like, where in the world how have we missed these seven values? And when you look in a youth ministry box, there's a lot of cool stuff in the box, but these values are missing. <clears throat> so I ended up writing a book called Gospelize Your Youth Ministry because this was – and there's a, there's a chili pepper on the cover because we use that seven values like seven ingredients in Mexican food. You know, it's all the – Mexican food is basically all the same seven ingredients just remade in a thousand different ways. So it doesn't matter your model of ministry. What matters is your mindset, how you make and bake those ingredients into your particular context. You know, if you're in the Bronx or if you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, if you're in Minnesota or if you're in Scottsdale. And what matters is that those ingredients are there. And so we uh, unpack those in the book. I actually give a digital version of that book away. If people go to daretoshare.org uh, into our store, <clears throat> they can download a digital version of that book because we just want to get the message out. And it says gospelize your youth ministry, but it could be gospelize your, your you know, family ministry, gospelize your church-wide ministry. I think these seven values apply church-wide, but we particularly um, apply them in the context of the ministry. And, and the idea is what we call the philosophy is a gospel-advancing philosophy, not a gospel-centered. That just sounds like a bunch of people sitting around watching Matt Chandler videos. We love Matt Chandler, but we're saying, no, let's put him on our podcast and let's go and let's reach our peers with the gospel of Christ. Let's make and multiply disciples. Let's not be about meetings. Let's be about mission. And I think that's exactly what's happened in youth ministry is what's happened in adult ministry. We become institutionalized. Let's have a meeting. Let's have a, a bunch of meetings. Let's prepare for a big meeting. And then let's have another meeting to talk about how the big meeting went. So in future meetings, we have better meetings. I'm like, man, we got to be about the mission and then meet along the way. As it makes sense, and so that's what that's what gospel advancing ministry does. That's what Dare to Share is all about: creating a philosophy of youth ministry that is playing offense, and that is making and multiplying disciples, and that is is building a youth ministry context that does that. So that we our vision is every teen everywhere here on the gospel from a friend, and to do that, we energize the church to mobilize youth to gospelize their world. And we provide tools and resources like Gospelize Your Youth Ministry. Again, just a simple book. I'd encourage you to read it. Check it out. It's free digitally on our website. And uh, I think it's a game changer because it's a, what, I, what we call a radical new philosophy that's 2,000 years old. 
All right, again, the website is um, is daretoshare.org. If you just go directly to gospeladvancing.org, um, you can like super fast get into the conversation that we're having about this uh, different philosophy of youth ministry that's actually only different because we haven't tried it for 2,000 years. Um, Greg, I think that uh, that I want you to speak directly right now to parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, adults, uh, adult Christians who are in churches who are listening right now, and I want you to give them um, a story of hope. Tell us about one teenager reaching another teenager for Christ and and the transformation that you've seen happen in the lives of both individuals. You know, I think of uh, Stormy and Mateo. Um, They had a friend, and he um, was abused by his father, and he was – his dad was a – mom and dad were meth addicts. Uh, on the brink of suicide, the kid had been actually shot in a gang-type situation. His life was in a downward spiral. Stor- Stormy and Mateo went to Dare to Share Live. They <clears throat> got equipped to share the gospel, uh, and they went to their friend. They led him to Christ and plugged him into the youth ministry, and now he is making and multiplying disciples. Uh, and it was at one of our smallest sites uh, in Amarillo, Texas. And we happened to send a camera crew there, and it was a story of absolute transformation. Again, it's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I want to encourage everybody is don't underestimate that message. I don't know how God infused divine power into a stick that Moses used to open up the Red Sea. I don't. I don't know how God infused divine power into a message that opens up closed hearts, but he does. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives beyond all the, all the digital technology, beyond all the media stuff. We have something – We I want to encourage us. We have something way more powerful than Hollywood or media or, or whatever, Instagram. We have the power of the gospel. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of intercessory prayer. So I think we just need to unleash the beast you know, and allow the power of the gospel and the power of prayer – to change this next generation. And once students get a hold of that, uh, they begin to multiply it out in ways that are unprecedented. We see it every every one of our events, students that came to Christ at last year's Dare to Share Live that are now making and multiplying disciples. I mean, it's just the power of the gospel unleashed. So, uh, you know, I think there are things that we know about teenagers that as you're saying this, we say to ourselves, yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that if I would, if I would set a kid free fully equipped if i would set them if i would set them free fully equipped they could do more to change uh the world than i am now in a position to do and so i think part of this is just getting over our fear um uh, that we're going to lose control um when in fact we don't have control anyway so that's totally an illusion all right greg steyer thank you so much the website is dare to share.org Dare to Share Live is where you want to go for the October 12th. Uh, the information about the October 12th simulcast, Dare to Share Live. Set your phones, uh, an alarm at 1012 every day to pray for Dare to Share Live, that God might raise up the next generation that they would be unleashed to advance the gospel in these gospel advancing ministries. Greg, thank you so much for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. So Justin Gibney is uh, 
the head of the AND campaign. He is an attorney. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and he brings a perspective to the conversations of the day that um, many of us, some of us at least, uh, are not privy to. We're not engaged in conversation with people who are significantly different than us. Uh, Justin and I like to talk with one another about not only the headline news, but how we as Christians um, across what we might recognize as a political spectrum of ideology in the country, how we as Christians can bring a distinctively or authentically Christian voice to the politics of our day. And so we're not going to have a red or a blue conversation. We're going to seek to have a distinctively Christian conversation about what's happening not only in Washington, D.C., but across the country. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. In 1988, I worked for a wonderful ministry in Branson, Missouri. I thought things were going great until out of nowhere came these three words. Mark, you're fired. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Later that week, one of my dear friends said to me, Mark, this is going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Now, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me at the time. But today I can look back and see the silver lining. If I never lost that job... I would have never founded Heartlight Ministries. So if you're feeling defeated or lost or hopeless today with your team, you may not understand why, but the struggle is part of God's plan. This season of testing could be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Justin Gibney is joining me via Skype. Uh, you can check out what he's doing at the And Campaign. Um, Justin, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Carmen. Glad to be here. So yesterday we had these um, people protesting in the streets of Washington D.C. hashtag Shutdown D.C. Um, and they're quoted in in the media as saying things like this: "Well, we've tried everything else, and nothing has worked." So I just want to ask you, as a person who equips the rest of us to engage in uh, in the political process in ways that, you know, are designed to bring real change, is that true? Have we tried everything and nothing has worked? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we haven't tried everything else. And let me start by saying that, you know, I, I can appreciate um, people pushing for creation care. I understand people who are concerned about the climate and all those things. So it's not something that I'm insensitive to. And it's something that I think Christians should uh, have some concern about, at least take the time to educate themselves on. Uh, I think one of the things we have to realize, and I've talked about this before, Carmen, is that a lot of times activists, uh, by the way they, they go about certain things, can actually do harm to their cause. Uh, because at, at certain times, people see the activists and some of their actions rather than seeing the actual cause. And, and very few times do activists actually force people to do something that they don't want to do or, you know, by disrupting in that particular way. Now, I'm, I, I can understand disruption, but by disrupting in that particular way, it just kind of upsets people when a lot of people think this is still a conversation that we need to be having rather than trying to to force it in this particular way. I think I think they could be hurting their cause. So when you say that, when you say that there are um, 
you know, there are ways in which I could go about doing something that might actually bring harm to the cause I'm seeking to advance. My mind immediately goes to some of the ways that we have sought to communicate the gospel in the culture, right? I mean, there are Mm -hmm. definitely methodologies of evangelism, ways in which we have sought to communicate the gospel in what I would describe as non-gospel ways, and we've gotten in our own way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a a, a great connection there. Uh, And and that's not to say that you have to try to make everybody happy or everyone's going to be happy with your your tactics. But I do think you have to go about it, number one, uh, in an aspirational way. Uh, And even when there is going to be some conflict, I think even within that conflict, people need to see the heart of of the matter and that, um, yes, you're serious. Yes, you need you know, you may need answers now, but you have to go about it in in a way that, again, is aspirational and gives people an opportunity uh, to hear you out and to and to actually get to the heart of the matter. Okay, so um, you've got uh, a book contract making making an absolute quick pivot here. (laughs) Um, first of all, congratulations. That is exciting. Thank you. I'm excited about it as well, along with, along with my co-authors. All right. And your co-authors are going to be Michael Ware, who, whom we know, and we have talked with before reclaiming hope. Um, tell us about Chris Butler. Yeah. So Chris Butler is a pastor and political strategist in Chicago. He's, he's somebody to talk to uh, as well. Uh, he's part of the Ann campaign team and, and just a brilliant brother and faithful brother. All right. So the tentative title, I'm just going to I'm outing all of it because InterVarsity <laughs> Press has already, you know, like shared it publicly. So um, yeah. tentatively, the book is going to be titled Christianity and Politics. Two two things you're not. And then it should just be two things you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table. But the, the right. subhead is instead a gospel centered approach to civic engagement. What um, what are you guys what's the target that you're aiming for here? What are you trying to hit? We, you know, it's coming out in time, right uh, in, at a time, hopefully we're praying that it'll come out right at a time where people are really uh, preparing for the 2020 election. Um, so, you know, early next summer. And what we wanted to do is help Christians go into 2020 better than we came out of 2016. And so we go from, you know, why should Christians engage in politics? What's the relationship? What's the true uh, the meaning, the true meaning of, of, of church and state and what should that, should that relationship look look like all the way to how do we interact with parties faithfully and all those things. We're really trying to equip Christians to be more faithful as they engage, to be less partisan, to be less um, tribal and really more gospel centered in how they go about uh, all the even, you know, issues that they're very serious about or even issues that they need to learn more about to really center the gospel in that conversation, which just doesn't mean we're all going to agree. But it does mean that there are some guidelines and some boundaries that we need to obey. So one of the things that uh, that we all hear, not only right now, but we're going to hear increasingly in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election mm-hmm. is, you know, all of the all of the things related to party platform and we're going to have parties seeking to shape the way we think and act, um, not only in uh, in our communities, but toward one another. Like it's even going to seek to shape shape our our language and conversation with one another. When we come back from the break, yep. Justin, I'm hoping that you can sort of lead us through how do we shape our parties instead of being people who are shaped by our parties. How do we do that? How do we influence um, whichever party we're in? Uh, how do we influence the party for good versus being influenced by the party? That conversation up next with Justin Gibney from the AND campaign. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen.
You can find Justin Gibney at the Ann Campaign. You can also find him at thecruxandthecall.com, thecruxandthecall. Um, Justin, when we talk about parties, we're talking about, uh, you know, Democrats and Republicans. We're also talking about people who would identify as independent. Um, That's not really a party, but it is a a major participant in the conversation today. So how do we shape how do we shape those conversations? How do we shape the party of which we are a part or the one we want to influence as opposed to being shaped by them? I think the first thing that we have to do is make sure that our identity isn't caught up in the party. Uh, So people, you know, a lot of people and I've always been not always, but recently I've really been amazed once I noticed how much people will take things as a given just based on what their party gives them. So they take what their party gives them and just run and just run with it. And I think the reason for that is, is because too often the party is part of our identity. And so the decisions that the party makes, we kind of, in, in many instances, go along with that, or the enemies that the party points out to us become our enemies. And so I, I tell Christians all the time, your identity should not be in your party. If I come up to you and I say something that the Republicans or the Democrats have done wrong, and I give you a strong case for it, you should not automatically be offended. If you're automatically offended when someone critiques your party, then your identity is too caught up in your party. And so that's the first thing that we have to do is separate our identity from our party and then be honest about what your party has done wrong and where they need to improve. Uh, if we can't do that as Christians, then we're not in a, a position to really critique and correct our own party. Because at the end of the day, it's not about the party winning. I mean, there are so many things that go on behind the scenes uh, that we would not want to have anything to do with on both parties that we need to separate ourselves and be willing to say, yeah, I I, I um, usually kind of come down on this side or that side, but that's not my identity. And I'm willing to check you to make sure that uh, you're being just to make sure that you're uh, maintaining more order. And then I think we can have more of a, a kind of prophetic witness within politics, but there needs to be some level of separation. Okay. When you use the term prophetic witness, I think that is a term we we want and need to unpack. What does it look like? Um, let's just say for me as a Republican living in, uh, in the South, what does it look like for me to be a prophetic witness to my party versus being someone who just adopts everything that uh, my party might be advancing? Yeah, it starts with being a critical thinker. It starts with saying, look, I'm going to evaluate both parties the same way, and I'm not going to be partial in how I and how I critique both parties. That doesn't mean that they're going to be both equal, but I am going to be intellectually honest as I critique them and uh, not being afraid to go against the grain. So as someone that may be a a southern uh, Republican, you might say, hey, we need to be paying attention uh, to things like poverty a little more or we need to be paying attention to something that I think is really the next a uh, place that Christians should go is housing and mm-hmm. how a lot of times in these major cities, and it's it, it, this actually gives the, the right something to correct that I think the left got wrong. In these major cities, we have a very serious housing crisis when it comes to low-income people, uh, and it's putting a lot of low-income people in a very bad situation. That's something that, that uh, Christians should, should care about. And so I think as someone who is in a party uh, you can bring things to your party that they may not be talking about or they might be talking about in the wrong way. And it's going to take boldness and courage to do it. But I think that's just part of discipleship. So I would have on my list, um, I mean, I think poverty is uh, is a very 
maybe the broadest of categories under which I would then put conversations about housing, conversations about homelessness, which I'm learning new language there, unsheltered people, um, mm-hmm. uh, health, health, access to health care. Um, I would put education uh, under the rubric of poverty. I would put issues related to um, access to the means of production. Like I, the, the, the poverty umbrella is a really big one. Um, and I think that when we when we talk about poverty, that is actually something that is a rural issue as well as an urban issue. That sure. is a white issue as well as a black issue. That is an issue in in every community across the country. When you talk about kids being hungry in public school, um, you're talking about an issue related to poverty. And and then I think as a part of that, the immigration conversation comes into play because most uh, most new immigrants are are in need of um you know, of 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 a way of not living in in poverty and you know in the richest nation in the world. So, um, am I am I touching on many of the issues and concerns? Maybe fatherlessness would be another one of these issues. Maybe um, criminal justice reform would be another one of these issues. None of those issues sound like issues that the Republicans are currently leading on. Yeah, I, I will give them some credit on uh, criminal justice, uh, especially here in Georgia. I think I think the Republicans have led on that, and uh, and I have to give them credit for that. But yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head for for, and it's not to say that Republicans don't care about poverty, but I think on both sides it could be more of a um, of an issue that's not on the that we put on the back burner, right? That it could be an issue that we talk about first, not after we figure everything else out. Because when you talk about something after you figure everything else out then you're really not, you know, giving the attention to it that it needs. And so, yeah, that's one of those issues that if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to be a change within your party, you would do for me as a Democrat. I have to go to my party and I have to talk about moral order. I have to talk about the importance of human dignity when it comes to abortion. I got to talk about identity issues. Um, And if I don't do that, then I'm being remiss and I'm just really being a follower, kind of following the world through my party. And that's not what we're here to do. So and then I think we have to talk with each other across the aisle, like, right, I, I have to talk with um, with people who whose party affiliation is different than mine. And I have to seek to see things from their perspective, because ultimately we want to move forward together. It's not I mean, it's not as we as we point out here, it's not ultimately about a particular party winning. It's about you and I as Christians advancing the gospel in this generation. Um, and one of the ways that that is either either happens or is hindered is by what's happening at the societal level, much of which is related to not only our form of government, but the way that, um, you know, government is funded and then the way that it is functionally lived out in our communities. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I'll, I'll put it, I'll go this far. I'll say that my party winning means nothing to me unless they're winning on the right issues and the right policy. So just to hear that the Democrats won a certain election or on a certain policy, that doesn't mean anything unless I hear the substance of it. And it's something that's right. There are times when my party wins and I could be upset about it because they won on the wrong issue or they won and they use their power in the wrong way. I'm just not connected. I don't think any Christian should be so connected to their party that we're not paying attention to what's right and wrong. And we're just paying attention to the general fact that we support the party and they won something and that must be good for us. That's not necessarily true. Okay, so I want to um, I want to have a quick conversation about what you're seeing and hearing that really encourages you today, um, and what are you seeing and hearing that that discourages you in terms of the conversations uh, at the level of Christian engagement in um, 
in our political discourse? I'm encouraged by some of the kind of rising Christian voices that I that I hear from somebody we talked about earlier, uh, Chris Butler. Um, you have folks like um, uh, Charlie Dates, Corey Porter. There are so many kind of up and coming Christian influencers who are talking about this in the right way. Um, uh, and it's really encouraging to see people with the boldness to do that in different spaces uh, and not to change their message regardless of who they're talking to. And so that, that's really what encourages me just to see so many voices that are being faithful. And, and you yourself, Carmen, are an encouragement to me as well, being faithful, coming kind of outside of our comfort zones to get it right. Uh, something that is uh, somewhat um, disappointing is just sometimes sometimes our interactions, even just on social media and us kind of giving up on each other or being so focused on somebody saying the exact same word that we missed the exact right word that we missed the spirit of the issue or the you know, or or we just stop listening because people don't you know, we we're so specific, almost legalistic with things that we don't allow the spirit of what somebody's trying to do to get out. Uh, and so I, I'd like to see us be a little more gracious towards one another. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Uh, and that can be disappointing when you don't see that. I wrote that down um, because I think you're exactly right. I do think that uh, and you and I would just describe it as civil discourse, a restoration of civil discourse. And Christians need to be on the forefront of that. And part of that is um, being less quick to uh <clears throat> correct in 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 very strong ways one another like right like allow one another the grace to have kind of a spacious conversation about something um, recognizing that our first thought on something may not be the final thought on it and that conversation really does mean a genuine exchange of ideas and i'm going to trust that you are entering into the conversation in the same spirit i'm entering in which is that together we really want to discover the truth and we want to then move forward in the most positive way um, for the common good. And if I go into it assuming that about you and you assume that about me, um, then there's lots of things that we can talk about together and and potentially come up with, well, things that maybe haven't been tried yet. That's it. That's exactly All right. it. There we go. Justin Gibney. You guys can find him at the AND campaign. You can also find him at the Crux and the Call. Um, thank you, as always, for being with us. Blessings on your family today. Take care, Carmen. Glad to be here. All right. You too. Well, we're going to take one more quick break, and then we'll be right back. All righty. So what's in front of you to do today? I, I feel confident of this. You are going to take some actions, and you are going to have some interactions. <laughs> I feel very confident that this is true. You are going to take some actions, and you are going to have some interactions. The question is whether or not in those actions and interactions, you are going to bear authentic witness to Jesus Christ. That's, that is who we are, and that is what we're in the world to do. And so why don't, how about today you just test that? Just test that one thing. In my actions and in my interactions, am I authentically representing, representing Jesus uh, to the world and to uh, to others in the world, like are my actions and my interactions representing Jesus in in all of His goodness and glory for who He is as the Living God uh, and for what He has done? Have a great day. God. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.